The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. Connection Podcast Network fans, welcome inside the Wrestling War Zone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as ever is my partner Chad. We are available to you on audio on any podcast application, as well as our website, NorthSouthConnection.com, and on video on our YouTube channel at North South Connection. You can subscribe right here if you're watching us right now and uh, spread the news. Why not? How's it going? I'm doing good. Um... We talked about on the show your softball travels and mm-hmm. getting a taste of the travel baseball. Uh, it's a pretty good grind. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday, two games. Sunday, three games. Monday, two games. Tonight, two games. That's a lot. Yeah. Practice yesterday, two games tonight, and Jesus. three games Three games Saturday. Ours is not nearly that intense. That's it's, that's it's, pretty wild. They're going. They're they're between. Well, we made the mistake of uh, he's playing in the rec league and the travel. Yeah. So tonight he would have just had one game, but he had his rec and his travel tonight. So I bumped him up to two. But to travel, I mean, those tournaments. You know, it's like the one Saturday it said three game minimum, but if you're in the like that game, uh, they played two games Saturday, and then Sunday they could have played four games if they'd have won right. again. But then they got knocked out. So yeah, and those are like about an hour away each one in oh, different wow. locations. Where uh, the one the one Saturday is in uh, Oxford, Alabama. Do you know what WCW superstar is held from Oxford, Alabama? Oh man. Um... Let me see if this gives you a hint. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Who is it? Lash LaRue. Oh, that's right. Lash LaRue. Okay. Yeah. Is that from New, uh, Louisiana? I mean, he may have been built from there, but he lived in Oxford, Alabama. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think, I think, he's, I think he's from uh, Louisiana and Carrie. Yeah. They tried the Cajun crap, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, hopefully the families are good because that's like a big part of it. You're with them for so much that it's a big part of it. And I'm lucky that my daughter's best friend is on the team. Yeah. So her dad is like close to us and he coaches. 
so he like picks up a lot and stuff and like drops off. So for like practice, she's kind of handled and stuff like that. So um, but, yeah, no, I mean I'm there. I'm pretty much there for all the crap. It's it's funny at the travel stuff, like the people I mean, it looks like people are going to the beach or a tailgate. Like oh, they yeah. bring their tents, they got the coolers. It's just like wow. Yeah, you might be there all all I was very prepared for the first tournament. I brought like my chair and that was it. And it was uh it was a little dire when we entered our Saturday wasn't too bad, they only had two games, but Sunday there was some split in the game, so we were there from like nine to four. So it was it was a little shaky. Yeah, you got to be prepared. You got to bring some yeah. snacks, bring some yeah. drinks, bring your uh, char- portable charger. Because mm-hmm. she started, it was like in the fall, so they had Sunday tournaments in the fall. So I was watching a lot of football the first few weeks on my iPad, so I had to bring that, the portable charger, and hope for Wi-Fi and all that shit. But anyway. There Have we are. Tried the uh, Mountain Dew Spark. I don't know when there will be a WWE match. Spark <laughs> a, a match. Ray Wyatt Kane, Return of Kane. Yeah. Spark. No, I have not. I don't. I've uh, n- nothing else since the pitch pitch dark. Uh, pitch yeah. black, right? Whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I'm all Coke Zero. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm doing Coke Zero. This this tastes kind of like a raspberry lemonade, though. It's zero sugar too. I made use of that soda package on the cruise. All all Coke Zero to make it count. In the they they had the freestyles, right? Yeah, so I used to either do Coke Zero or the Cherry Coke Zero. It's pretty much what I what I lived on. You're you're back from your voyage. Yeah, I finally stopped rocking, man. Fucking go back Saturday night, and then Sun Saturday night I was feeling it. Sunday was a little bit. Monday I had to go to the office and. Around 11 a.m., I thought I was gonna like pass out. Like I, the whole office felt like it was friggin' moving. Like I felt like I was in the twilight zone. It was like the whole thing just felt like going. And then finally around like noon, like eight, and then it like passed for good. But that's a lot. We were on there. We were on the boat a lot. You know what I mean? It was like how many out of the seven? Yeah, days? some folks. Some folks. Largest, largest cruise ship in the you world. This guy's acting like he's on the SS Minnow here. Spent a lot of time on the ends of the boat. You could feel it. You could feel it a lot. JT Island here. Yeah. yeah, I'm also I'm, I'm a I'm a once every seven to ten year cruise guy. I think. Are you really? Yeah. I liked it, but I'm not like rushing. I wouldn't like rush back. Like I think there could be. A, I think there's big potential in a PTB. <laughs> oh, I think so. Yeah, actually, be fun. Yeah, that would be the um. I feel like an yeah an adult one with no kids. I think would be different. Like I, I mean, they were fine. and There's plenty to do, but I think one of the big benefits is like you can kind of drink and fuck off and like, you know, you don't have to worry about driving and who's yep. going with the girl right there. So I could definitely see the, and that's what I've been saying to people in the past. Like, I could definitely see like if within two years, we're like, oh, let's do a big group adult only trip. I'd be like, I'd be in, but like yeah. and all that, I'd probably want to wait a little bit longer. But anyway, that's that. Uh, all right. So we're back here, back at it. And we are now two weeks removed from In Your House, it's time. We are on the go-home for Starcade. Yep. This is episode 99, uh, crazy enough. And that means Starcade 96 will be our 100th episode on this podcast. Yep. Some said we'd never make it. How we plan it all. what everyone said, but, but we're here. It'll be, uh, it'll be about our... Uh, we'll probably be released. I need to look when our actual first episode dropped. It'll probably be like five years to the day, too. Yeah. <laughs> that we crazy. did our first episode. 20 a year. Not bad. 
Yeah, so uh, you know we've had dips here and there, but we're back yeah. back on track now, and we're excited because ninety seven is going to be really cool. So we're yeah. feeling good about that. Yep. Uh, all right, let's dive into Raw. Uh, even though we ended with Nitro last time, we usually rotate, but we're going to do Raw first because it's the go home for Star Kids. So we want to end with Nitro. Right. Um, all right. So where are we at for Raw? Are we still in the same. Uh... Still nice Palace in yeah. Tampa, uh, but hey, you know they 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 did mention we talked about it on our last episode. Um, they said the next week we're all live, which is kind of right. weird. I, I guess they always do that Northeast tour, so it makes sense on yeah. Christmas week. But um, they're in Albany, New York, and the Knickerbocker Arena, so you know where big 92 spot. Rumble is. So another big between that and the Ice Palace, so that's two big arenas in a row. So we do need to keep. And they're going to the Alamo Dome, which is like the biggest pay per view yeah. spot they've had in a long time since yeah, what WrestleMania eight the Hoosier Dome. Yeah. Yeah. Um is that is that the well, last Wimbley's taping for the Rumble? Actually, Wimbley's actually yeah Wimbley. Yeah. Are they um are they in Albany until the Rumble or is there another taping after that? I would guess there's at least another one. They seem to be doing that well never let's think that about might be it. the four. Because there's six yeah. weeks I think between shows they might, so that's they might, have a, they might do a four mm-hmm. weeker. We'll keep track of it. Um, okay. And I don't know where they'll be the night after San Antonio. That could be ugly. That could be like Laredo or something somewhere. Right. They don't want to mention it. The Cajun Dome. That's well, that's a big raw. So, yeah, I'll be curious where they're at because that's that's a pretty big raw with Brett and everything. Mm-hmm. Starting kicking off his shit. Yep. All right. Let's head inside the Ice Palace. December 23rd, 96. We go right into the opener yet again. Mark Barrow <laughs> taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, the few that's carried us throughout 1996. Uh, we cold open with Mark Merwin Sable hitting the ring, another icy title shot. Ross and King are in the booth, and Vince is and Vince and Vince is teasing King about the Karate Fighters final. We get clips of that, which included Goldust saving Sable. Hunter comes out, and Ross reminds us he could lose the title tonight by disqualification or countout. We get some talk about his nose. King is still bitter at Sable, says she has a wig on. Before we get started, Goldust music starts. He emerges in the crowd with Marlena. They take a seat. Uh, not at ringside. They're kind of like up, like halfway. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is interesting. But it kind of, even though Ice Palace is still a bigger arena for where we've been, it's made it look kind of small the way they where they were sitting. Because it was like um, a really good view of them, but they were like kind of high up. I like the, I, I thought they actually did a good camera angle of it though. Yeah. Because it's like right aligned with the hard cam yeah on the opposite side so it was kind of cool like it i mean they were up there but you could tell like who it was yeah. um so so it it, it worked i i thought it worked uh all right so they're out they're sitting there uh vince's gold dust will be challenging for the intercontinental title at the royal rumble so whoever wins here is going to be defending against gold dust in san antonio Mero attacks at the bell. He hits a flurry, shooting Hunter from corner to corner, knocks him outside. Ross says Mero told him he thinks this could be his last IC title shot, so he's going to make it count. Mero bails out, chases King to the back. Mero returns. Hunter decks him at ringside and slams him on the floor. He grabs a chair but realizes that it could mean a DQ and the title uh, swapping, so he drops the chair and shoves Mero inside the ring. Vince reminds us that this is all started because Hunter propositioned Marlena in your house. Merrill comes back with the right hand. Hunter flings him over the top on a charge, hits a baseball slide. Ross says the honky-tonk man is scheduled to join us here tonight on the show. Merrill recovers. We get a trade-off of pin attempts into a Hunter clothesline. 
We go to a break. We get a full metal ab, a classy Freddy Blassie one. I think that we're going to see for like the next year. Uh, when we come back, we trade blows into a Mero Rana. Mero lifts, uh, lands a knee lift, heads up top, gets a missile drop kick for two, gets a Samoan drop. He goes up top, 100 dodges a moonsault, hits the pedigree, and pins Mero clean. Mero's angry. He's shuffled off by officials. Hunter grabs the mic and shit talks Goldust about the rumble. Makes some more overtures toward Marlena. Goldust comes halfway down the steps, but Hunter takes off before he can get to the ring. Uh, overall, this is the usual match. I mean, Mero's just been a, a loser in this entire feud. Um, this really felt like the end of it. Um, we'll see. <laughs> it feels again like the end. Um, like we're fully going to Hunter Goldust now. Goldust is kind of sliding into that top spot. No clue where Mero goes for here, but he's dead in the water completely. He's been dead for a while. This was the nail in the coffin. I think he's a dude that probably needs a heel turn. And it's nuts that he hasn't even been here a full year. He's been here eight months, and he already feels completely washed yeah. um, in this role. The match was pretty basic. They executed it, but it was just a slow pace, as usual, with these guys. Um, two and three quarters. It was just in line with all their other stuff, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I'm done with these two. I went I went two and a quarter. Um, it just – I thought Mero looked just like a loser. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to say it. Like, Hunter's – Piece of shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, he wipes out on his dive, and then Hunter pins him. Easy, easy peasy. Um, Sable was wearing more leather tonight than usual, so she was kind of. Um, it, it it felt sort of like a debut of the look that she would sort of have for ninety seven, ninety eight. Kind of yeah. had kind of honed in on what her look would be. You no, know, like you know, dress like the velvet dress or whatever. Like we were in the the tight leather in the summer, you know, the, more of the yeah, dresses, yeah. Had the hair down and everything, um, but yeah, I mean the match itself was very basic. Um, it's just interesting. I mean, again, it's like I did watch these shows in the order we're talking about it, and it's like as 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 usual the case when I watch. Well, either way, like if I watch Raw first or second, it's always like, but in this case, like when I watched the match, I was like, well, that's inoffensive, but you know, Marrow's a loser and whatnot. But by the end, when I watched the mid card WCW stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, that looks worse than two hours ago when I just right. watched the match cold. Um, it, it just feels difficult for me to be wanting to stay on the channel for this. Like, I don't have much engagement in. Hemsley and Goldust, it's fine. But uh, I think that's a theme for this episode where, again, we're still so far out from Rumble mm -hmm. that they've really been, like, slow building these feuds. And there's just not any of them that are getting resolved at the Rumble that I'm too interested in. Um, and this this is one of them. I mean, it's not awful, but it's not... Well, Golos has been pretty boring for a while now, so it's like yeah. it's not, it's not like an exciting turn in in feud. And Hunter, yeah. is this his best win? I think it I, may be. I, I year, think it's his best, like straight clean. That's what I mean. It's like yeah. clean, dominant win. Like, I yeah, I, I think this is kind of. I mean, from their standpoint, with a win like this, it's like, all right, like any remnants of him being in the doghouse is over with because, yeah. like, he clearly is he's getting strapped up I mean, a it's couple obvious. of notches ahead of marrow now and yeah. then in this feud with gold like they're heating gold up when he announced he was not gay mm -hmm. and um uh turned face as a result but um 
but yeah, I mean, like they're they're certainly elevating Hemsley, so that that is interesting to see. Uh, but I don't since know. the perfect stuff really, like since they the perfect yeah. bailed and they had Hunter kind of bury him uh, verbally, and then now dominating Marrow, and we'll see how it goes into '97. But they're clearly seeing stuff in him, whether it's click driven. Maybe. Or just that they see the potential. I think they saw the potential in him anyway, like because like they were starting to push him pretty strongly before the curtain call. Yeah, he's he's an interesting prospect, I'd say, around this time because it's it's so difficult to again like just say, well, what have we seen so far instead of what we know is to come. Right. But I mean, again, like I would say he's been very good, but uh, I don't even know about very good. He's been good. Yeah. So I certainly see the potential. Um but it, it's just like I don't know. Like when you're when you're in this battle and one side is really knocking it out of the park with a lot of stuff, and then you have like the up and comers. Like I don't fault them from moving towards Hemsley. That's a step in the right direction compared to like Godwin's and just garbage that we saw. So that's fine. But it's also not like a game changer right now. Like to me, like your game changers are mankind maybe, but even with that, we haven't necessarily seen the promo side of this to come. So like, I mean, I've liked him in ring, but it is what it is in Austin. I mean, Austin for sure. Um, So it's, it's interesting to track with Hunter. Yeah. I mean, it's a guy, it's, it's like almost like a, why not? Right. Because like two points, there's not, not much else cooking. So why not give it a shot? Yeah, if you look at the locker room and you look who's young and hadn't really um, had a chance to shine in either promotion, he's about. I don't. I don't know who else they could turn to really with the current roster. There's not a right. lot. All right, uh, we go back to last week with highlights of the Gun Brothers match. The injury to Billy that closed the show. Ross says Billy's been injury prone. He had neck surgery in the past. Vince says he has partial temporary paralysis, and they hope he'll regain full use of his limbs. Right now, he allegedly, Vince says, has no use of his lower limbs. So, and then uh, closes up. Bart was on live wire. He says it was an accident. He wishes it was him and not his brother. Neither Billy nor Tina will talk to him about it, but he's very sorry as to what happened. Um, so we we spent a lot of time last week kind of talking about like how to sniff this out, right? Like, was it a ruse by Billy? Did he really get hurt? Um, did you find Vince's comment interesting when he said allegedly? Yeah, I mean, I don't quite know what partial temporary and paralysis or paralysis means. I mean, is that something that happens? Like, like all of a sudden you can't? I mean, I don't know, like. I guess you temporarily are paralyzed partially. But then I don't know like how they you're backing up. Hand. I mean, you know, it's like, what is this? Like one morning you're good, the evening you're not, the next morning, I don't know. I'm, but it was like, I mean, this was okay. But th- to me, this is actually what I was talking about in the previous segment where it's like, well, Billy Gunn's also someone they're now trying to like present right. as a serious heel and like Hunter's better than him. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, that was always going to be the case anyway. Like Hunter was... Hunter was on that track before. I mean, Billy just split off and everything anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the top of the card is so mixed match of face heel lines, like Sid and Austin, like you said, like they're kind of heels, like Brett yeah. and Sean. But so, I mean, Helmsley's 
top three heel right now? I mean, it's great. Oh, and Mankind. We got Mankind. Well, but Vader. Like... It depends what you think of Vader, whether right. they're trying to rehab him or not. But yeah. Because yeah. Bulldog, I would say, is leaning face. Yeah, oh, definitely. And Owen doesn't feel like a top guy no. on any stretch right now. All right, Sunny's out. She's wearing a right, uh, tight red dress. She's yeah. got a Santa hat. Vince about faints, and oh. can't blame him. Uh, she joins the booth. We get the Dirty F Choir with conductor Freddie Blassie singing Psycho Sid is Coming to Town. Set to, of course, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And then we well, go right to Freddie Blassie. Yeah, he's big in this. He's a little area. much. I know he comes in the pay-per-view. He's already been in a couple, hasn't he, for us? And he'll be... He's all over these pay-per-view opening. I mean, I like Freddie Blassie, but it's a little much. It's not like he was Hulk Hogan, you know, either as a wrestler yeah. or manager. It's a little well, weird. Vince, like, loved him, right? Like, his dad loved Like, it was that whole... I guess, yeah. Like, like he obsession was with right. Blassie. And I think part of it is they... Um, you know, it seems like a over the last year or so, they've leaned more into the legend stuff in 96. Like they didn't do that a lot back in the day. Right. It, every now and then you'd get one, but it seems like 96 for whatever reason, they've been a little bit more open about their past and like the legends and stuff. He's like the one they always wanted to trot out though. Which yeah. Is weird. He must've just been like, well, they did trot out. Uh, Captain yeah. We got honky coming back. If you consider him a oh, <laughs> legend, I guess. I mean, he's been gone for what? Five years from the WF. I mean, he was in WCW for that minute in '94, but for the most part, he's been off WWF TV since early '91. So the the three wise men stuff is just so different. Like because they would leave in Madison Square Garden, like after they brought their charge out, right in the '70s and '80s, like they would turn around and go back. So you're so used to like blatant interference and mm-hmm. or somebody like Sherry where she's pretty in much the match, basically. Harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so different. And then even like when they are doing promos of the stuff we have on TV at like championship wrestling and all stars, it's not, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I guess I could see it, but it's always like, Oh, okay. It makes Jimmy Hart in Memphis look good in my eyes. I'll say that because he's like everywhere and he's bumping right. around and stuff. And then you got Blassie, who, who uh, you know, he managed a lot of the uh, international talent. That was his thing. He was a right. foreigner manager. And leave, and, yeah. yeah, he was always like their mouthpiece. Or Albano would happen to start managing a tag team the day. They yeah, oh yeah, he was he was the tag specialist. But yeah. Albano's promos to me though actually are the ones that when you go back and watch in retrospect, you're like, all right, like this is like what you think of like a Hill manager and stuff like Blassie. A lot of times will just be like, we're going to crush you. It's like, <laughs> okay. And like the wizard be like, I, you know, he was always. My biggest very- issue with Albano was what I said, like the Bulldogs thing is ridiculous. Like he starts managing them like yeah, a few yeah, weeks before I mean, they win the titles. Then. And then him, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. Like him celebrating with Ozzy while like, Poor dynamite's dead on the on the floor, oh, yeah. and Davey's like gassed, and like oh, yeah. Albano and Ozzy have the bells celebrating, like they oh, yeah. won, they fucking won the titles. It's good, it's good stuff. All right, back to the ring we go. We get a rematch. Uh, it's a third rubber match. <laughs> well, could it be a rubber match if one guy's won all of them? But so November twenty fifth, Raw and the In Your House free for all. That's Rocky Maivia taking on Salvatore Sincere. Rocky jogs out, very horny, sunny as always for him. Yeah. Uh, Jim Cornette is with Sal Sincere, apparently. Rocky spurned him, and Ross says Rocky will be in the Rumble match. Vince hypes up Shotgun Saturday night, coming live on January 4th from the Mirage Nightclub in New York City. 
Rocky sticks and moves early. He hip tosses Sal over the top. Sonny's smitten. Sal pulls Rocky outside. Rocky lands a punch and shoots him in the ring. Sal crotches, uh, catches Rocky coming back in, hammers away. Vince reveals that Goldust will take on Jerry Lawler next week in Albany, and that Sid will be live on Livewire in studio this weekend with Sonny. Sal floats over a charge, gets a nice sidewalk slam for one. Ross says Sal's wrestling a lot smarter than the last match. Sal shoots Rocky to the corner, hits a sit-out clothesline for two. Sal keeps pounding away as Sonny says she is known to corrupt young men. Ross stays pretty neutral here, thankfully. Uh, Sal gets two on a Russian leg sweep. Rocky ducks a punch, hits a clothesline, revs back up. Ross says a lot of folks in Georgia have a shortage mm-hmm. in ethics, Chad. Mm-hmm. Rocky gets a float over DDT and finishes the match with a shoulder breaker. Sonny puts, on, uh, puts the hat on Vince and pinches his cheeks which is whatever. Uh, Sal continues to be proficient. A little long, but the crowd seemed okay. Uh, Rocky showed some charisma as well. He, you know, he worked fine. He seemed a little clunky than the first couple times, so maybe he's starting to feel more comfortable. I went two and a quarter. This is kind of whatever. Star and a half. Didn't like, don't, don't like these two together. Don't like Sal Sincere. And uh, that continued to be the case. Speaking of uh, people being like defazed with the marrow, Cornette. Mm-hmm. Like trotting out here was sincere. It was like, oh my god! Like you, you talk about somebody that was just all over TV, overexposed. But he's like, almost done. I think he's only got a couple more that. weeks, and like, like he's pretty much done. Like uh, until um, he has like little spurts here and there where he shows up and does stuff. But for the most part, like he's done as a full time guy now. Audibly gasped when he was managing Sincere. I was like, oh, I was like, whoa. Well, I think it here? wasn't as much that he was supposed to be with Sincere as it was he's with the guy against like Rocky. Trying to, because uh, yeah. Rocky shunned him or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they tried that, but he, it's still like, it looked like for him to be involved in this, it was kind of like, oh. So I wonder if they had someone in mind that maybe he would manage against Rocky and like try and take him down. Um, but he ends up I, I maybe it's just a concerted effort to like have him focus more on the back end because I mean he's been on TV for like almost four straight years. Yeah. Uh, I mean consistently like dominating TV since he debuted with Yoko's, you know, being Yoko's in his mouthpiece in the spring in the summer of 93. Like he's not taking any time off and he's been a top guy the entire time. So Yeah. Um maybe they just figured he was kind of you know yeah, needs I mean, a break I- or whatever but I'm fine with it. It was just very, yeah. very surprising. Um, match was fine. It wasn't what it was. Rocky's finisher is always weird. Like this shoulder yeah. breaker thing. It was like, I should have figured something out in Memphis. Yeah, uh, just do the DDT. That. He does that float over DDT. Just do that. Yeah, that actually looked pretty good. Um, I mean, the shoulder breaker, he never works on the arm and then he just hits it and that's right. it. All right, we're back to the Alamo Dome. George and Adam are walking the tunnels <laughs> and they end up in the bathroom. So still perusing through there uh vince mcmahon's in the ring he brings out sid to a big pop ross hypes up the rumble he lists the tough questions he would have asked sid if he was doing the interview but it's vince who talks about sid's recent dominance he talks about austin michaels brett hart and the undertaker says they all have attitude but that could be playing right into sid's hands sid's music is playing through the whole promo and the lights stay down which is kind of a cool vibe and i think they're trying to do we talked about this a little bit like going full Paul Heyman ECW style with Sid, where they're really trying to mask, I think, a lot of his deficiencies. So by having the ominous music and the lights dimmed, it kind of adds like that psychotic vibe. Um, Sid brags about beating Michaels and Hart. In the end, it was only his power because when he walks, the ground shakes, and he's a superior predator. When we see Sean, uh, we see Sean walks backstage, he doesn't look impressed. Sid wraps up, and that's that. So 
again, for Sid, it's all presence and confidence. There's no substance. He says the same shit, but he looks the part. And I like that they're putting a little bit of bells and whistles with him to try and make it not as obvious. Yeah, the only issue I have with this feud is, I mean, Sid brings up a good point of him beating Sean and Brett. And it's like, that's true. And, I mean, I guess you can always use the, like, rematch clause. But then the way Sean, like, nonchalantly, you know, acts annoyed at what Sid's saying, it's like, uh, it still feels like, it's like, which was it, you know? Like, are you going to build him up that he beat these two dudes? Or Sean still acts like, like the only reason he lost is he was worried about Jose or whatever. So it's it's just not, I don't know. It's not a feud I'm digging. Um, I thought Sid's promo himself's fine, but that's, I mean, that's kind of Sid in a nutshell. Like, if he's not totally saying right. something off the rocker, yeah. it's not going to be yeah, extraordinary. All right, we get an ad for Shotgun Saturday night. And we go back to the ring uh, for debut of Pierrot and Cibernetico taking on the new Rockers. Oh. Our friends from AAA making their official debut. Vince says they're two of the best from Mexico. Ross uh, fills us in on our background. Marty's back in action. You know, we saw him go down at the Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. I thought he was done at Survivor Series. I didn't realize he came back. Right. Uh, this might be it, though, I'm guessing. Uh, Rockers, their opponents. Mil Mascaris joins the Spanish announce team. We hear from him a little bit as we get going. Leaf and Pierroth get us going with a quick back and forth. Do Pierroth flurry, tag Cibernetico, overwhelms Leaf tagging, but he controls Marty as well. Ross gives the info on Lucha Masks as Cibernetico cranks on Marty's head. Marty baits him into being distracted and Leaf hits him from behind. Ross and Vince says neither team is popular in their own worlds. And Vince says Pierroth and Cibernetico aren't the high flying type. And Ross says it's a stereotype that all Spanish wrestlers are high flyers. Already setting expectations. <laughs> Rocker said, it's not what you think you're seeing on Nitro. You're not going to get that. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. these guys flying around. Right. Uh, Rocker's quick tag. They beat on Cibernetico through a break. We come back. He gets two on a sunset flip. Cibernetico comes back and takes Leaf down. Both men tag. Piroth smacks Marty with chops and slams him with a powerbomb for two. Ross says Piroth and Cibernetico and Mascaris will all be in the Royal Rumble. Cibernetico hits a tope on Leaf. Piroth slams Marty. Hits a big splash. For the win. Uh, this was not impressive at all. It feels like the WF immediately out of the gate has like the lamer Lucha stars. Like it's like Aww. it's I mean, they're fine, I'm sure, but it, just, it didn't present that way. Um, Pierroth looked like he was going half speed. He's not getting to show off much. The Rockers look washed. Um, they didn't really move around, guys. Like this is where you could have used a guy like a Candido. He's gone. A Hakushi. He's gone. Like that could have maybe like hung and made these guys look better. But yeah. the Rockers, I think that's what they were hoping to do. But it just felt like a little half speed. So I went two and a half. If you're watching this, you know, and you're thinking like, all right, WF is going to have their own cruisers now. And you go watch like Ray and Malenko or Psychosis and these guys on, on Nitro and you come here and it's like just more of the same. Yeah, I only went two. It was okay. <clears throat> but I mean, I knew <laughs> I've, I've watched these guys. I uh, I knew what to expect. I did think Piroff's chops look good. That one sequence where he was continuously chopping, I think it was Leaf, but he kept chopping him down, pulling him up, chopping him down. That was fine. But yeah, I mean, the, the Triple R guys, they were brawling. There was a lot of garbage. It, it was just a different style at mm-hmm. this point. Once Ray and Psychosis kind of left pretty much for good in 95, like 95, they did have a lot of that high flying between those guys. 
Uh, even like heavy metal, Jerry Estrada, but he can mix it up in brawls too. But yeah, I mean these these are more like your beefy beefy brawler Rudos. Um, so they they work accordingly. Uh, they did face um, Furnace and Lafon mm-hmm. on Superstars. Yeah, where's that? Give, give me that. So that might be interesting. I'm, I actually want to track that down. But as far as the debut. Uh, it was okay. I did think Ross was good on commentary. Like this, this was better Ross tonight because he gave good background. Oh, it was much better. He's definitely kind of fading off of the. The only time he really gets saucy was with the, you know, saying he should have done the interview instead of Vince or whatever. But right. besides that, he's been pretty, yeah, pretty straight. Um, and I mean, I'm sure this this probably was the first time Vince's. Vince had set eyes on either of these guys, so (laughs) even one, two, three kid, like all the guys that could have maybe done something with these dudes are gone. Um, so yeah, Furnace and Lafon, I get why they didn't put that on Raw, maybe because they're trying to keep them protected. Mm -hmm. Maybe Owen and Bulldog could have done something with these guys, but then then they're not going to win. So I I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else like they even had that could have done anything. I guess Rockers are probably the best shot. Well, I, I, I just I don't know. I, I think they actually would match up better with a brawler type. So yeah, maybe new blackjacks or whatever. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, you you just got to put them in with uh, it's it's a different style. I mean, yeah. they're not they're 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 more bulky. So. Yeah, I mean, the other guys maybe like could have bumped around and flown around for them. You know, what I mean, like might have looked like the Rockers is kind of weird because Marty, you could just tell like. It's not happening right now with him. <laughs> like whatever it is, he's he's busted up. Um, and I think Snow like wants to break out, but he's kind of saddled with this shit right now. Like I think he's a guy that is probably waiting for like a solo push, you know, and just kind of feels yeah. stuck with Janetti still. All right, Ross talks to Maskers about the Rumble. Mill says uh, his experience and how great shape he's in and talks about his love for San Antonio. Vince says, another award-winning interview from JR. (laughs) Let me see how old Mill. He's going to be in his 50s, right? Probably in his 50s, man. Let me see. I'm going to say 57. Yeah, he was born in 1942, so he was 55. Close. Uh, That Vince line was funny, though. I thought it was a good dig at JR. Yeah. Uh, all right, we get a Royal Rumble match entrant rundown. So declared so far, Hunter S. Helmsley, Flash Funk, British Bulldog, Ahmed Johnson, and The Undertaker. So we already know that we're going to have double duty on this uh, Rumble card here. I don't, did we have that 96? I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. 95, I don't think we did either. 94, we just had like Tatanka and Bigelow. So this feels right. like the first. And Brett, I know one. Um, so yes, yeah, so 94 now in this, like yeah. kind of the first big ones outside like Piper 92, whatever. But um, this seems like the first one they're really coming out and saying like a bunch of guys are doing double duty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Honky Talk Man's back on the scene. Oh. He heads to ringside and Vince says Honky it was on Superstar said he had a big announcement, but we don't know what that announcement is. Honky takes a seat at the announce table. He talks his usual shit. Sets up our main event, which is Brett the Hitman Hart taking on Razor Ramon, a big rematch from King, King of the Ring 1993 and Royal Rumble 93. Razor's strutting around after the uh, around the ring after a break. He's ready for the action. Honky's chopping it up while being back in the WF. Brett's out to a pop. Ross hypes up this week's show at Rosemont in Chicago on Thursday. Vince says that WrestleMania tickets will go on sale that day as well. 
what a, it's so funny it's such a different world like now like the mania ticket sales is like this huge deal and everything and this is just like a throwaway line by yeah. vince on raw you know i think i think that was actually like a a, a secret shots fired because um on nitro they talk about the united center mm-hmm. uh nitro on january and how many tickets are still there and, t- and so they may have known like the advance was really good for that. So right. I was like, all right, let's get these on sale. Let's let's see what we can do at Rosemont. Try and take advantage. Yep. Uh, Hockey says he's there to do the things he used to do: play guitar. But but I guess my point is, it's crazy that Mania tickets is December. Oh it's yeah, I mean sale. like, well, I mean nobody was planning like, yeah, yeah. nobody was reserving. Oh, well, Kyle Forchetti was. <laughs> then he tried traveled in. Did he for thirteen? I think right. that was one of the ones he did, like the travel club or whatever. Oh, okay. They had that then. Um, all right, Honky said he's there to do the things he used to do: play the guitar, sing, dance, and be, and find the new greatest. Uh, Brett and Razor feel each other out. Honky's going on about his goals. Brett uh, works the arm as Honky says Brett will go home a loser at the Rumble. He's not going to make Honky's cut. Razor hammers Brett down, works him over. Honky says Razor's too greasy. Brett comes slugging back. Vince talks about how aggressive Brett's been since coming back. Razor goes to the eyes. He clubs down Brett, slowly works him over with strikes and chokes. We get some talk about Austin. JR talks his great superstars commentary and asks if he's getting a Christmas bonus, and Vince just laughs at him. Honky <laughs> predicts Sid will win as we drag along. Very low energy. Brett yeah. takes over on the floor. He picks up the pace, shooting Razor to the railing and the stairs, beating him into the aisle. As they all talk about how uncontrollable Brett is, after a break, Brett hits a bulldog, gets into his closing offense, and finishes with a sharpshooter. Very sleepy match on a very sleepy Raw. Uh, just filling time. Two stars for a Bret Hart match for me. And low-key, like, outside of Survivor Series, Brett has not brought much to the table since his return. Like, you know, you always think of that early 96 stretch where we were down on him a little bit or felt like he was checked out. Yep. I don't Maybe it's Rust. Maybe it's him feeling uneasy with the Sean stuff. Maybe he's just not back in the mode yet but we haven't seen it i'm curious when it kicks back in yeah we talked about that i think i think that's an underrated thing like people know he was gone for a while in 96 but um and survivor series is like an all-timer so Mm -hmm. it almost excuse it and i guess your mileage may vary on the iron man but i'd say besides those two performances and again like some people hate the iron man but um I mean, I just don't know what you can hang your hat on. And, like, even this on what could be a broomstick match, I mean, like, Bogner was no good. So, he, he sucks. But He had one good but, match on Raw. It was, it was when, remember, Sean fought Hunter. Who did Brett fight? It was, like, in the build-up to 12. I thought it was, like, a match we liked in there. But mm-hmm. was it Kid? Maybe. No, I don't know if it was Kid. It was, no. it was someone. But um, – Otherwise, yeah, there's not been much. I mean, his pay-per-views besides Austin have all stunk. Yeah, it's just, well, it's just weird because, like, five years ago when we started the podcast, like, you think about his late 95, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he was having those very good matches with uh, Lafitte. um, Lafitte. Lafitte. (laughs) Uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Uh, I was trying to say Carl Lafitte. (laughs) He fought, so he fought Tatanka. That stunk. Uh, but he did. He fought Helmsley. We both went two and a half. So I don't know. I mean, that's Man, what I was thinking of. That's not. No. I wouldn't say that's actually great. Like you would. I mean, we were down on him and Diesel. A good match. I would think you'd hope he'd have a good match with Helmsley. Like that's your opportunity. Right. Um, we were down on him and Diesel. Him and Taker had a stinker on Raw. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody even him and with Goldust. Time, we didn't like. Yep. 
him and Taker at the Rumble we weren't high on. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm back to the beginning of the year now, and I don't – nothing jumps out. That mania. I mean, it's 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 one of those, like, sneaky, possibly could be the worst year of his career that we have on tape. I think so. Maybe until his end run. But even then, he probably – like yeah, the WCW stuff. I but even, like, 99. Has more. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. It sucks, but it's – um. I think everyone thinks of the Austin match. If, oh, he yeah. comes back red hot, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if he heats up until after the Rumble. Um, well, it's just it's just weird that like he has this year that's so bad, and like I said, between his late '95 with the classics with Diesel Bulldog, mm-hmm. uh, Lafoot, Lafie, <laughs> and a lot. <laughs> and. Um, uh, but but his late ninety five run, and then obviously like ninety seven, like ninety seven, he's a contender for worldwide wrestler of the year. And like in ninety six, I don't think he makes my top one hundred. I mean, it's one like one and a half matches. I don't, I don't, I don't think that solely can make it. Right. All right. Uh, Vince- match itself, I don't know if I said I want to start in three quarters. It was no good. Vince talks to Sean backstage. Sean's dismissive of the questions about Brett and Sid. He just kind of trolls Vince. Seems a little annoyed. So yeah, that's that. It's nothing. Um, I mean, they're still setting the seeds for Sean versus Brett, but we're bringing right. them out. So what can you do? Let's do our awards. Uh, best match, I went Mero and Helmsley. Yeah. Moment, I, I went Helmsley's promo. I don't, I don't even let me even recall what I had. I have no. I, I may have just defaulted to Sid's promo. I did Sid's promo. Uh, I gave Helmsley the MVP. Beat yeah, Merrill clean and called on Goldust. <laughs> me too. Me too. Which is really weak. Uh, shots fired. Just had Ross saying a lot of people in Georgia have the lack of ethics. Yeah. Debuts. We had Honky, and the final grade. Probably one of the worst raw grades they've given in a while. I went three and a half out of ten. Um, it was sleepy. It was boring. Yep. Eh, nothing really clicked, and it just—it's a classic Triple H that he finally he gets MVP on one of the worst raws of the year. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, four. I don't know. I, I mean, it, you know, it was—it wasn't good. It, it's just like listen to what we described in this show, and then when we talk about the first hour of Nitro, just think like that was what this was up against. The last one I had this low was September 9th. I had one at four in early December, but uh, what did you rank that twelve two roll? I, I have that as a four, four to ten. Okay, yeah. that was bad too. Yeah, not been a great December for WWF. <laughs> Long December, as the Counter yeah. Crows would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, not. Not I mean, great. even the post, we kind of held our hat on the post pay-per-view right, brawls. Right. And, I mean, this one was okay, but nothing yeah, crazy. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, 97 will turn things around. But Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, check out everything we have to offer here on the North South Connection. We have a lot of cool content, like not just our normal podcast. We're doing a lot of short content as well on video. Uh, Ryan Gray's hyping up the WD draft. He did a mock draft special. And he'll be doing a live draft special, which I think will air right before this. It's going to be uh, Sunday night. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. No, actually, that's going to air before this. Yeah, this week, before week, week after, right? Yeah, or a week. Uh, let me get the actual date on that. It's uh, 
Yeah, Sunday the 23rd. So, yeah. Anyway, go back and watch it. This is really good. He uh, did a live draft special where they pretty much, him and the team that joined them went on and did a um, their own draft as if they were Raw and SmackDown. They drafted the full roster. So that's a good listen. But he's doing a lot of current stuff. Closing the headlines has kind of become a floating show. So whenever news breaks, he hops on and talks about it, does recaps and stuff. So if you're looking for current day dirty stuff, we've got it there in video format on this channel. Uh, all right. You want to hop over to Nitro? Nitro, uh, Hogan's in the opening, of course. Naturally. They go in to the arena. Pyro comes off. There's zero mention where they're at. Uh, a lot of embarrassment on where they're at for this Nitro. Tony does say the arena is packed. They're mm-hmm. in Macon, Georgia tonight. You'd so. think they'd call that out. I mean, that's a that's home state. Yeah, it's a small... Yeah. I don't know. We talked about it. I mean, this is where Hall debuted. <laughs> um, but if you're uh, outside Georgia, I couldn't tell you how big fucking Macon was. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Like, I Yeah, but do you think, like, Macon's recognizable? I don't, I don't want to As a wrestling fan, that. yes. For okay. sure. Like, yeah. I know Macon, Georgia from wrestling. <laughs> so right. As a wrestling viewer, I would know, oh, Macon. And I'd actually probably think highly of it, thinking, like, a lot of stuff has happened to Macon in WCW history. Like, that's it's a weird one to be kind of embarrassed about yeah i mean they make no mention of it but there you go uh pretty much start us off right with our opening contest which is a semi-final match in the u.s title tournament it's a familiar matchup so uh, we had a familiar match to start out on raw and we get a familiar <laughs> match to start out on nitro you can uh, be the judge on which one's more exciting but it's Eddie Guerrero uh, with Chris versus Chris Benoit. Benoit's back from Germany. So first time we've seen him in five weeks in ring, uh, like live. He's out solo, too. Yeah, he comes out alone. Uh, a lot of strikes to start. Taskmaster does his insert promo. Uh, I, you know, we talked about how bad this angle's been. I actually thought this was probably the best uh, we've seen of the Taskmaster stuff, where he, he seems more sinister and devious here. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically says he's awoken something inside of him. Benoit fell into the trap. It, it was creepy, I think, in the right way. Um, so so um, I give the, uh, the weird angle uh, a little bit of a reprieve this week. The weird, the weird thing too is when they do the entrances, like Eddie Benoit comes out. Eddie is like on his ass. He's down the aisle before yeah, Benoit's timing, even in the ring. Timing was off. Um, yeah, it was weird. I don't know if they were trying to rush to like start the show off quick. It was odd. Like he's like out. Benoit's not even in the ring, and Eddie's halfway down the aisle. Yeah, I mean Eddie's like eight steps behind Benoit, and then they start his music where he's like almost entering the ring. Uh, so. Uh, Reverse more holds. Page comes out for commentary with a Three Stooges shirt on, which was interesting. All right. Uh, Eddie works a headlock as we head to break. Back from break, Ben Long gets a nasty back body drop. Uh, Page mentions he has a female personal trainer. And, of course, Larry is, like, absolutely shocked and appalled at that, that uh, a female could help help a man, you know, personally train. Can't, can't have that. Uh, Page, I thought, was very good on commentary. This was kind of like a callback to his old uh, 
championship wrestling from Florida days that I'm watching in 1989. Some of his WCW old school stuff, his good God air. So, uh, so this was, this was kind of cool callback to that. He calls Tony Schiavone point extra at one point, which I enjoyed. Um, he talks about the history between these two, though. Nasty powerbomb by Benoit. Larry says that Benoit told woman to go home and do the dishes and do the laundry. So uh, a lot of misogyny from Larry tonight. Always. Um, tip the world backbreaker by Eddie. He calls for the frog splash, but Benoit catches him and hits superplex. Crowd's really up for this as we head to the final stretch. Small package gets a nice near fall for Eddie. Some more strikes between the two. Benoit does the pin with some rope assistance to get caught by Randy Anderson. And then they get both go back to the top. Eddie shoves Benoit off. I actually like this finish where the referee's kind of pleading with Benoit to uh, not perform a move in the ropes. Benoit kind of gives Randy Anderson a shove that allows Eddie to shove Benoit. And then he does like a, a reverse frog splash kind of where he, he, uh, he has his back to Benoit initially and turns around in midair and does the frog splash to get the win, which they call an upset. Um, you know, a really, really, really good TV match. Went three and three quarters. Probably one of the best TV matches we've watched since we've started the show in 99 episodes. Like, this is up there. So, really, really good stuff to start. Nitro. Yeah, it was really good. I was lower for some reason. I went three and a quarter, but I liked it a lot. It was a usual intense war. Uh, that snap and energy and anger. Great way to open the show. It sets up the U.S. title final. We're going to reignite the Guerrero DDP feud, which makes sense. Um, yeah, DDP and Larry burying women together. Seemed like a match made in heaven for the two of them. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, look, you can watch Raw and see how that started and then watch how this starts. It's just like only WCW can kind of roll this out, um, you know, out of nowhere and just deliver this like on a whim. Whereas yeah. on Raw, it struggles to maybe even someday sniff this. And I lied. I went three and three quarters. So I had that much. I thought it seemed low. I wrote it down on my notes wrong. No. Um, I looked at my sheet and I had three and three quarter. Uh so yeah, anyway, it's it's a great match. It's a classic. Um it yeah, I mean, sure for both really of us. Since we're both three and three quarters, yeah. Sure. Uh so then we get an interview with the four horsemen. Gene welcomes them out. Uh Benoit's with them, but it's it's the whole crew. So Flair, Arn minus woman. So Flair, mm-hmm. Orn, Deborah, Mongo. Uh, Arn's focused, uh, says a focus Chris Benoit would have never lost that match right there. Mm-hmm. Then he talks about people deserving, he, he does this like weird analogy where he talks about like a, a man that has nothing to lose is the most feared man, but then when somebody's beating you up and you know you deserve it that's a that's a that's a terrible situation to be in or whatever and he says he took the beating from kevin sullivan last week because he's a horseman they took an oath but you know that now that he did that he needs basically been one woman to be all in so Warren asked like where is she this week uh-huh. Uh, that allows Denver to grab the microphone. She loves it. Boy, she has heat too. Like she uh-huh. is really booed. Uh, she says people only want to look here and look at her. And she tells Chris that she has so many beautiful pageant girlfriends that would love to go out with him, but of course they're not as good looking as her because she did win the pageant, <laughs> but they're still very beautiful. And she says Benoit uh, doesn't deserve damaged yeah, goods. Doesn't deserve damaged goods. Benoit says woman is tending to horseman business. 
Um, now, this, this seems like a stretch where he says in Germany they were doing 18 hours on meetings. Uh, Horseman meetings. Basically, like, brand man. I mean, what what was this? Like, for 18 hours? Like all They right. devised a plan to reunite the horsemen and raise them up. This is what they're in. <laughs> it was, it was... Intense meetings. How we're going to re- rebuild the brand. <laughs> That one seemed like a stretch. Uh, so Flair kind of gets in between both of them, tries to become the peacemaker here. He says, after being with the devil for 10 years, implying Kevin Sullivan woman deserves a break. And he tries to defuse everything by basically saying they're going to go get drunk and have a party. And that's kind of how the uh, the promo ends. So it's still, still showing a good bit of dissension here. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know where this leads. <laughs> um I mean, it's kind of entertaining. I mean, because, like, uh, also, I forgot to mention Mongo. He gets all fired up because yep. Benoit, like, talked back to Debra. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, well, Benoit told him to talk to the hand. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Chris Benoit said, talk, talk to, to the, the hand. hand. <laughs> it was, that was your most nine. You better shut moment. your mouth, baby. That's um. my woman. Yeah, this, I mean, I don't know. It's like the horsemen seem kind of lost. It's like yeah. Arn's trying to be serious. Benoit's kind of being weirdly jokey a bit. Uh, Mongo is like in his own little dramatic world with Deborah. Flair is like oblivious to everything going on. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, we're going to go party. Yeah. What happened? Where's Jarrett? Like <laughs> what happened to that? Yeah, he's um, It's like, it's just, they seem like they're all disjointed. Like this should be the time the horsemen are gathered feuding with the NWO. Like could have been really cool, but instead we're, kind of doing this weird infighting stuff i don't know it's yeah i, I mean there's aren't and flair are so good and deborah's been pretty good that it like yeah it's okay but it's just like all right i'm kind of i'm just ready for it to be yeah good. it's always entertaining um just because of the personalities like even mongo getting all like fired up and trying to be yeah, yeah shiverless for Deborah's. It's, it's fun to see, but once you start analyzing it, it kind of falls apart a little bit from a lot of hand. <laughs> I actually, I mean, that was that was very 90s. So I, 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 I didn't say shit like that. Hey man, mouth or whatever, you know? in Germany on 18 hours of horseman business, he had to let loose. He had to listen to some uh something <laughs> Joe Flair is just like wanting to party and get drunk is probably on cues. So. so Ben Ma listen to too many Smurfs. Is that German? Smurfs in German. All right. Um so that was that was all that. Yep. <laughs> um uh then as we come back from break, Hogan's out. So boy, they stagged it up. Big uh-huh. match to start out and Hogan's out like the 15, 20 minute mark. He's out with his crew. Uh, Team eighty eight, baby. Yep. Hogan, DiBiase, Vince, and Liz. Liz. <laughs> like, like right out of WrestleMania 4, this love fucking it. marching down here. I love it. Yo, dudes, it's time for Hollywood, guys. Uh, Hogan looks cut. Absolutely yeah. cut. Uh, he says Piper's hiding. He thought Piper might be the last of the men's men. <laughs> and then he, he goes, yo, Roddy. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, Piper's afraid of Hollywood. He's getting good heat for all this. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, gets a kiss on the cheek from Liz. Says 100 years. From, this is actually pretty poignant, I thought, where he says 100 years from now, when the kids look at Abe Lincoln and George Washington, when they talk about wrestling, they will see Hulk Hogan. I was like, not Piper. Yeah. yeah, not Piper, which... I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's that's kind of maybe true. 
Uh, he took over the Turner Empire, founded the NWO, scared the skirt off of Piper. Uh, he feigns kind of acting scared at Piper coming out. And uh, Tony is appalled and pissed at all this, saying Piper isn't scheduled to be here. Hogan knows that. Uh, and then Hogan kind of brings up the past people. So he brings up Macho Man, he mm-hmm. brings up Flair, and then he brings up Piper and says they all can't measure up. So... I, I thought this was a strong kind of go home hill promo here for Hogan, you know, then kind of hit his mark, got in, got out, good stuff, and uh, was getting a lot of booze and uh, looked very cocky and confident with, in his mind, thinking that, you know, Piper wasn't going to be there. So he was very gloaty tonight. Yeah, he said, too, he was talking to the head of WB. <laughs> Oh, Warner Brothers. Um, it was good. I, I liked it. I mean, it felt a little rambly at times, but that's Hogan. Um, I don't know. I think you could maybe say we're like one week too long to hype this match at this point. Like this felt like it's a good promo, but probably redundant and one we didn't need. Um, it felt like maybe we're, we really peaked at that last episode and we'll see if this can carry that heat into Starcade or if we're just going to kind of rinse repeat just to kill the week. Yeah. I'm, I I was a big fan of this. This is one of my favorites, actually. Uh, nothing. So we get the WCW Saturday Night ad. There's nothing with it. It's just that uh, year in review. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. Uh, now we get a debut. <laughs> Old friend for you. Tombstone. Yep. Yes. Uh, versus Lex Luger. Tombstone is nine one one. Sure uh, is. Not not a well, I mean, ECW wasn't in Macon, I don't believe at this time. It wasn't in Atlanta, I don't think. Unless uh, was... Macon was somewhere they kind of ran, though. I feel like it's oh, maybe it's later, yeah, and probably later. This seems late for Tombstone to come in, though, because when did he leave? Oh, God. he left ECW a lot earlier, he was yeah. gone in like '95 or whatever. I know he comes back for a minute and Taz jobs him out. Um, I don't remember if that's after or before this when he shows up and Taz chokes him out for that one night, but. I'm gonna say, well, he's got a pretty easy cage match to uh, decipher. Only 102 matches, period, for 911 and Old Tombstone. Uh, showing his last ECW match was House Party, which was January 5th. So, yeah. But even before that, was he around regularly? I thought he was already gone. Because I know he comes back for like one thing. Taz. Uh, no. Looks well, like he was regularly there. I mean, you know, like maybe it's after this. Maybe it was back after this run. Maybe it was like nine because we're into ninety eight on three way dance. So it might have been ninety seven where he shows back up for a minute. Uh, Spike Dudley beats him in ninety eight. Oh, well, let me just type in Taz. That shouldn't be. Too I thought Taz beat him when Taz was marching through guys like when he beat Paul Paul Valens. <laughs> now. Nothing with Taz unless Cage matches off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in some stuff, but nothing one on one. I thought Taz beat him. I thought he came back and someone beat him. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay, it could have been a run in or whatever. Either. Yeah. He has. His, I mean, so this. I mean, looking at this run, it is like insane. So a crazy like <laughs> like he has this match on Nitro. Uh, he does a WCW Saturday Night taping like um, almost a couple weeks after this versus Ice Train. 
and then nothing until February. I mean, uh, until April when he randomly comes in. He has one more. Uh, oh, and this is an infamous one. I remember this. So he has one more uh, Nitro match. It's when they're in Philly in April, and he gets completely jobbed out by the Giant in a, in a minute, which is so like such a like crapping on him. He might have got hurt or something. I, I remember this being like kind of a big thing when they signed him and like they gave him like decent money or whatever. And they kind of bought a bill of goods, you know, that he was like, because Paul booked him so strong and made him look so good, but he wasn't really anything special. He's so like one note though. Yeah. That's you know what he was. I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway, he's facing Luger. So th- this, this is a, this is, you know, a trope they went with Luger before yeah. where he faces all the big guys before he faces the giant. So a uh, good reaction for Luger shoulder block by Luger has no effect. He clotheslines tombstone on the floor. Tombstone rakes the eyes to take over. Uh, Larry's crapping on sting saying what a rotten Christmas gift he's given to the <laughs> little stinger. So, you know, I don't, I don't know why Sting's very concerned about that, but whatever. Uh, Tony does put over Tombstone saying he's showing his power and being fearless. Right at that exact moment, Tombstone runs into a big boot from Luger, and Luger starts his comeback, flying forearm, torture rack. Um, that does it. So this this essentially was a extended squash. I went a star and a half on it. Um and then I guess we can talk about the post-match, which was pretty fun. So the the Giant comes in right after the match. He shoves Luger in. Luger ducks him, tries to knock the Giant down. Giant does a good job kind of teetering, and then he ends up, like, collapsing onto the turnbuckle. So, you know, it's like, oh, he would have fell down, but, like, right. he got saved by the ropes. Uh, Luger then goes for the rack and gets it on for a second until the outsiders come and make the save, which makes Luger bail. A real fun post match. I like the outsiders coming to have the yeah. Giants. Back. I thought that was cool because um, because you would have thought it might have been the B squad, but uh, right, right. it was it was nice to see them have Giants back and uh, pretty pretty you know for Luger versus Giants something we've seen before. This felt pretty hot, so I enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm pretty much in line with everything you said. I want to start in a half, just another squash. Um, I thought Luger got a huge pop when he came out. He just looks great um, through all this. You know, tombstones, whatever, not that great. But be, just Lex being able to rack him is all we need to see. We don't need yeah. much else. And that looked really cool. So I was okay with that. Uh, the post-match I thought was awesome. The pops when Luger's laying into him with the punches were great. Um you know, I think this match has been overlooked in the build to Starcade. Like we talk about all this time we've had. This one we haven't seen much of it at all. And I think this is an awesome way to add some last minute heat into it. Luger is just way, way over. The crowd was all into this. Um, they really stumbled into him as almost being their top face right now. I mean, Piper's hot too, but that's all that's pretty much what they got is Piper and Luger right now. It's like their top, right. top faces, and Lex is feeling it. Um, this is a great segment. Like, I'm excited for Luger Giant. Yep. Uh, come back from break, they show like Sting and the fake Sting stuff from last week. Um, and then they show him like actually kind of um, uh, attacking Rey Mysterio when Rey Mysterio jumped on his back. Mm-hmm. And that leads into our next match, which is Rey Mysterio versus Mr. JL. I hadn't seen JL besides World War Three on Nitro in a couple months. Uh, oddly enough, versus the uh, NWO Sting, <laughs> so he must he, almost be kind of done, right? Because I feel like he pops up and yeah, maybe it's look. later in '97 when the ECW shows up. I know he's pretty regular into '98. But... This 
Okay. Oh God. Why did they they like trotted him out? So he has uh two more nitro matches, it looks like, and then he's done. But one's in January, one's in uh March. So yeah, I I, I was gonna say I think it's late summer or fall he's in ECW. So yeah, yeah. Um so so I mean that's looked like a pretty cool match on paper mm-hmm. too. Uh, so some good chain wrestling to start. Tony and Larry continue to talk about how absurd Hogan and the NWO was. Uh, Tony says that Luger might be the leader for WCW that they need. Tilt the world. Rana by Ray he flips over the ropes but gets drop kicked to the outside. Uh, Mr. JL wipes out on a plancha attempt. Uh, Tony calls Starcade the greatest card ever assembled for a wrestling pay per view. So it's the greatest night in the history of our sport. I don't think we've we've heard that yet. No, we haven't had the super hyperbole just yet. Yeah, it's coming. Which you know, I, I mean, I all right, I'll give him a pass on this one. We'll we'll have to see if that is as absurd as people make it out. We'll see. I mean, it is a pretty impressive card. I mean, Hogan Piper is a big dream match. Luger Giant. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't, I don't, outsiders. I don't, I don't find that preposterous for this no. card. Like that, you know, like the Knox always like that he was calling like random thunders in '98. Right, right, yeah. yeah, so we'll we'll see if we get to that point. But this this was fine. Um, springboard lead drop from Ray with JL hung in the ropes. So Rana gets reversed into a power bomb by JL. Springboard moonsault by Ray, but JL comes back with a quick back suplex. Uh, Tony says an NWO members will be wrestling on the show tonight because Eric Bischoff demands it. Oh, a nice lob Mahistral cradle for two for Mr. JL. Uh, and then JL goes on top and gets caught by Ray for the Rana for the win. So so this this went about six minutes. was a good mm-hmm. back and forth match. Um, but, I, but I may be lower than some people that watch this. I, I went two and three quarters. So I liked the match, but I actually thought that like it was a little too even. Um which which is a critique I have. Um, I, I understand like with the size of Ray that it it kind of plays to that, but it's like if he's such a dynamic high flyer, I think right. this was this would be a good showcase for you know JL gets a little bit of offense and then Ray takes over and hits like a flurry of moves and takes it home. This this felt a little too much back and forth for my liking, especially what we've seen from JL before and just like stuff like Ray hits that springboard moonsault. It looks great. And then like 10 seconds later JL's back on offense. Um so that's a that's a minor critique I have. It actually prevented me from saying like this is a quote unquote good match at three stars, but I mean, the actual action itself was entertaining and spot on. So, two and three quarters. I didn't mind it because I think they're trying to establish that Ray can take a beating from a bigger guy and still come back and persevere and, um, you know, has the ability to come back in these types of matches. I mean, Lynn's JL's offense is a lot of big man, bigger man based, right? Like, he's definitely more of a base than he usually is with flying around. I mean, Larry even goes to the, you know, we'll see if Ray's around in 10 years with this style uh, kind of talking points. But, um, I liked the finish too. I thought it was a hot match. Um, again, JL definitely got a lot of offense, but Ray's speed is just like insane. I mean, he just goes around like a maniac, but the acceleration is crazy. I went three and a quarter. Like I like this a lot, quite a bit. I, I didn't mind JL getting the offense because, yeah, I know he hasn't been on a ton, but like he's a guy that when he's on, it's not like he gets squashed usually. I feel like he usually gets stuff in. So I don't think it's like, you know. Cobra getting over on Ray or anything. Like I think JL like is a guy that's presented as someone that could hang with the Ray. Okay. Uh, now I did like this actually. So mm-hmm. Ray goes to the announce booth. We we hadn't really seen this. So Ray goes to the announce booth. 
Um, and he kind of takes up for Sting. He says yeah. Sting's not joining the NWO. It's a rumor started by the NWO. Last week he jumped on Sting's back and his reaction was normal. You know, if somebody jumps on your back, you're going to react that way. Mm-hmm. He said that's a lot different from when Nash like hurled him to the trailer or yep. Giant choke slammed him out in the World War Three battle royal. I, I thought that was great. Like he showed yeah. two examples of stuff that happened that were like vindictive and mm-hmm. you know like vicious um and and good this is where tony's good like great mm-hmm. callback from tony because like ray just says like oh when giant choke slammed me down and like tony immediately is like yep at world war three so like yeah. Tony like knew right when that happened like that was good recollect from tony and helping progress uh he says sting if you're listening i know you aren't going to betray us like hogan did uh sting wasn't trying to hurt him he is wcw and then Larry, who who was driving me nuts tonight, Larry says, the dreams of youth are nightmares when someone gets older. <laughs> it's like, well, thank you. Thank you, Grandfather Larry. Uh, Sting turned his back on everybody. Uh, now, this this I didn't. This was the only caveat on this little thing. Like, all that was great with mm-hmm. Ray. The only thing was he asked to show the video of, like, him jumping on Sting's back to like show that it wasn't vindictive or whatever. And they end up showing like the Sting music video we got last week that shows nothing of that. The clip, well, that clip was in there. Um, but it was just like, yeah, it was part of a video versus just like yeah. the highlights of that. Yeah, match. It was, like, it was it, him throwing him was in that music. So it's like, why splice that? Yeah. Okay. It was weird. Um, but yeah, the race stuff was really well done. Like mm-hmm. you said, Tony definitely added to it. And I think it makes sense. Like Ray's acting and thinking logically. He's like, don't read too much into this. You know, he, he didn't attack me. He just got me off of him and kind of moved on. You know, he didn't whack me with the bat or throw me out of the ring or anything. He just got me off his back, you know. So that ends hour one. Mm-hmm. So again, raw. <laughs> what we got. Yeah, and look at we- Nitro. I mean, two great matches. The Hogan yeah, great promo. Match, great junior promo. match. A high flying match, Hogan promo, Luger squash with a cool post stuff. Which even horseman if we we kind of, you know, we have our issues with it, it's still probably better than anything on Raw. <laughs> the horseman. I mean, promo. even the horsemen, what they're doing yeah, is yeah. more entertaining than like annoying Sean backstage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one hour alone definitely crushes it. Oh, kill it! And and you could tell like they were stacking it. Like they stacked this first hour to say, like, man, I mean, he, like, but it was a cool stack. Like, it wasn't like we're going to bring out and just dominate. Right. It was just like, we're going to present good matches and we're going to give you like 20 seconds of the outsiders. So, like, they're in, mm-hmm. you know, real easy night for them, actually, what ends up happening. But they're there. Hogan's promo was one segment. So, just one segment in yeah. and out. Good stuff. Giant runs out and he's gone. So everybody's there, but mm-hmm. it's not oversaturated. Uh, so our number two starts out with uh, an announcement that they have given word to Tony that uh, the NWO is given word to Tony that Roddy Piper is indeed in the building. So they let us know that. That's your hook for our number two. Uh, he turns to Bobby and asks Bobby what he thinks of that. He says, Hogan's a liar. He's told everyone that for years. The NWO stands for propaganda. Um, and that's that. And Tanae kind of backs him up. And yeah, says, they basically say, don't believe it. No, he's not here. It's all NWO bullshit. Right. 
so we start out our number two with a match that God only knows how many times happened in the WCW power plant <laughs> in front of nobody. Glacier versus Sergeant Buddy <laughs> Lee Parker. Uh, a lot of Glacier background from today. Mm-hmm. We learned the mask, 200 years old, and just a bunch of... Families, a bunch of police art. officers. Yeah, and, all and State shit. patrolmen and all this stuff. And then Bobby um, makes a donut joke immediately about, Park, about yeah. Glacier's dad. What did he say? Like, he's like, got a one, two, four was the badge number. And Bobby's like, was that how many donuts? <laughs> <laughs> House down. Um, now... Big, big, big question here for us on housekeeping duties. Do we consider this a debut for the old Sarge? Wasn't he in the Battle Royal, one of them? He was not, but the Leprechaun has had a match <laughs> on... Night yeah, Street. I think this is a debut. It's We haven't seen the character Buddy Lee Parker. So. Okay, all right. So Let me see if I had him marked down. I did. I had him marked down as a debut. I had that a question. Um... So a little bit of different aesthetic for yeah. Glacier's matches here where the snow's still falling, but the lights are on. It's not pitch mm-hmm. dark anymore. So we're changing some stuff a little bit. Uh, Parker attacks at first. Glacier, I mean, I mean, all right. The play-by-play for this match is essentially like Glacier does his whole martial arts routine. Mm-hmm. The crowd dies. <laughs> so I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this. Crowd does not care about any of this i'm sure they like i said i'm sure they've done this match 200 times in the powerpoint it kind of looked rehearsed right but i did dig the amount of variety of kicks that Mm -hmm. glacier showed because he gives a insiguri and a right kick to piper's head it was a lot of the kicks were stiff uh it gives a kick to the back of the head a nice like running front kick kind of uh, oh god, I can't believe I'm even gonna say this to comparing Glacier, but Toshiaki Kawada style. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, so at the end of the front day, leg back round kick, as Bischoff would say, so he whiffs on the first cryonic kick, and uh, Sergeant actually kicks out of that. So I, I think that was kind of Buddy Lee like teaching the rook you know what i mean like hey well, parker lasts get... longer than most guys have and it took two cryonic kicks to finish him so. well that's what i'm saying like yeah. him whiffing on the first cryonic kick i think yeah. it was that old mentality of like hey if you don't hit me flush i'm not selling it brother right. so that that was like a training lesson in the ring for sarge uh and the second one he wastes him with like he yeah. actually did that one pretty good um uh so i mean i actually enjoyed this more than the crowd i'm not saying it's some great match but i i thought this helped play in the variety of the show tonight um i mean it's clear to see that whatever visions they had of glacier as i don't even really know what they thought the ceiling was gonna be for him it's odd to see because like I, don't, I it's tough to explain how much capital they put behind him i mean but, maybe they just always plan for him to be in his own world you know what i mean yeah. like that might have been the plan from the start yeah so i mean i went two stars it's not like i gave this a great rating i went but, half a star <laughs> oh, come on a lot of a lot of kicks the crowd hated it. I mean, this glacier push is moving at glacial pace. I mean, we're just like going nowhere since when did that first vignette? Was it April 29th, April 29th. right? Yeah. I mean, so. here we are. He's still having squashes, you know, and, and looking pedantic. So whatever. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see when the world grows around him. I think it's soon in early 97. We get some stuff. Action. So yeah. Well, blood's about to run cold. So there we go. Uh, outsider shirt shield. 
two for 20. Yeah. Two for 40, one for 22. Yeah, one for 22 for 40. Great deal. Uh, next is another. Uh, so, so again, we had we had our junior match, mm-hmm. our high fly match, our martial arts contest. Now we get our kind of garbage match. Amazing French Canadians versus Public Enemy. Public Enemy is a tag team we saw so much of, and we actually hadn't seen them as a tag team in a while. It was mm-hmm. the October 7th. Nitro again, maybe it's banged up a little bit or something. Is yeah, well, Rocco good? Rock was out. Johnny Grunge did have that singles match in November, right. so Rocco was out on the on the shelf. Uh, so Jock requests the uh, you know everybody to stand for the national anthem. They end up uh, put, they butcher the words on public. It's it's kind of on purpose. It's kind of funny. Tony makes fun of them for not knowing the words. Uh, public enemy charges and hits them with their flags. Uh, Ulet has a stocking. They put like one of their toboggan stocking caps over Ulet's eyes and double team him. Uh, he responds by sending Rocco Rock into the guardrail. Parker stomps on him on the outside. And uh, basically this match uh, didn't have any like legal tags throughout the match. I mean, it's only a three minute match, but it's just like a straight brawl, yeah. like mayhem and whatnot. Um, so Jock does the uh, Rougeau Thez press. Does that ever get a name? Like that seems like such a cool double team move that you would It wasn't like the Tower of Quebec or whatever. Maybe. I'm, I'm so bad with like names. So when he did that, I was like, oh, I'm, that needs a name if it don't. But uh, and then he does a uh, Boston Crab. And Carl hits a nice leg drop, so that looked cool. Uh, table, the table comes in, it gets placed on the top rope in the corner, and they're going for you know, Ulet's assisted senton. Uh, but Rocco Rock comes back and like shoves Ulet off, uh, accidentally breaks the table in the process. Yeah, um, Carl took a good rough happen. bump on that one. It hits like yeah. the edge of the table. It was that, that, that was not supposed to happen. And then uh, Public Enemy basically then just used the table blatantly to draw the DQ. Um, and then the reason you know it wasn't going to happen because they wanted to show like the the uh, right. the parallel with the assisted sentons because then Rocco does it mm-hmm. off of Grunge's, you know, with Grunge's assist. Um, they do that to a let where he's laying on the table on the mat. Yeah. yeah, but you know they was gonna put him through the table to do that. Um, so a star and a quarter. I mean, this was what it was. This this was like to me the only throwaway segment of the whole show. Actually, I had a couple little blips. It was kind of the usual business for the French Canadians. Who, I mean, I'm as big a Quebecer fan as there is, but this this run has not been very inspiring. Like they they feel like kind of like a little like relics here. In a way, actually. I think we talked about this. I think they'd be a better fit back in the WWF as the Quebecers, yeah. where with their real empty on tag teams, maybe they could have a good brawl with Pierre Austin, Steve Renetico, and at least bring a little pizzazz. Here, they feel like they don't really fit in with the world that's being built in WCW. Uh, they're just a little too goofy. Parker's kind of a goof um, at this point. So this was disjointed and a little messy. I went a star and a half. I mean, it, it was fine, but... Um, Again, to your point, it's a few minutes on a long show, so it's fine enough to throw away. Uh, then, uh, oh boy, I really like this nitro, but there was some, there was some definitely like Chad mm-hmm. moments on this nitro. Uh, so we show the Bubba turn. Uh, that leads us into Big Bubba versus Conan. Bubba has the NWO shirt on, says, I love my new shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out alone, though. Yeah. Like, they 
Probably could have waddled out DeVos. Yeah, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent, Vincent yeah. at least. Could have got him out there. Uh, Bobby Nick, says he only joined to get the new shirt. He needed a new shirt. <laughs> nice. Uh, Nick Patrick is back as our ref. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've seen him since Jericho beat him up. And uh, and uh, Tony mentions he's without his ski mask from uh, WCW Saturday night. Um, now, now, I'll say this. I'm guessing this match was booked by Jimmy Hart. Um, agented whatever they did then. Uh, this was a Memphis studio match in 1996 WCW. And for that, I commend them. There was some great Memphis tropes and stuff that I loved. Um, I understand this isn't going to be a match for everyone, but for what it was, I enjoyed it. Again, I tried not to get carried away with my rating, but I was very entertained by this. Um, four so, stars. No, no, definitely not four stars, but I did enjoy this. So uh, Bubba chases Hart. Conan does a tope, drop kick in the stairs. And uh, Nick Patrick, I actually really loved throughout this whole match. I'll say this. So he, he does a. Real, He's being so blatant. I mean, he hooks Conan you know, at one point, like it's over the top. Yeah, I made a note almost there. So, so he does a slow count, allowing mm-hmm. Bubba to get back in. That's when he hooks Conan doing the punches. Bubba also, like, this is the first time he's been a heel since 95. I mean, like, full. I mean, he was in the Dungeon of Doom, but this is a different type of heel. Like, he was like the bruiser. I mean, this is just like straight as blatant as he can. He Mm -hmm. does every illegal move. He rakes the eyes. He chokes with a Hulk Hogan bandana, which was a great touch. Um, Nick Patrick, at that point, when he's choking him with the bandana, like just turns around and starts berating Jimmy Hart on the floor, who was doing nothing. <laughs> so, uh, good right hand by Bubba and a stiff kick with him yelling at Conan to get up. Um, now, this is uh, where I hated Bobby Heenan. Yeah, this is a little stupid. As somebody that doesn't never worked Memphis and doesn't understand that. Like Bobby sucked with this. Like Bobby just needs to realize at this point he can jab with Lee Marshall and all this stuff. Anything with NWO, he's got to be WCW. Yeah. Like you just got to be on the team. Like you can be like, you know, like we well, yeah, they all, they all confirm like, family. they're like, Oh, we all are WCW. But Bobby says, well, things are negotiable. Um, depending on money. And even Tony would join for the right money. So, yeah, this is like, it was unnecessary to even go there. And, like, he keeps saying, like, well, we don't know for sure that that was Nick Patrick in the ski mask. And it's just, it's so much. Like, it is so bad. Um, Then Tony brings up a great point where he says that Eric negotiated that contract deadline to coincide with Starcade mm-hmm. so he could like beef up the reserves in case Hogan needed some extra help. Right. Um and that's cool because 30 minutes after this when we get to the Hogan ending promo, keep in mind the first two people that run out to help Hulk Hogan right. in that ended segment. It's Wall Street and Bubba, the two yep. people that signed on those contracts. So that's cool. Uh, all that we needed was buff the stuff too. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't like give a WCW flavor. I mean, NWO flavor to the commentary. Like I'm shocked that they didn't have DiBiase step in yeah. and do nitro with like Tony and Bobby and tonight. Like think... I'm surprised they didn't do that. Like, and just, so we want to give our side of the thing, you know, we end up seeing that someday in the future with the Alliance, right? Like came in, 
is in the booth to counter JR and speak on behalf of the Alliance. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised we don't have that. On Nitro, with DiBiase, so Bobby doesn't have to be the guy, but, you know, give it the butts, right? Like, let DiBiase or whoever do that. He doesn't need, but he just doesn't need to do it on this, and it's only no. a certain thing. Like, he, he berates Hogan, which right. that works, because he's always hated Hogan, but, like, why all of a sudden is he, like, Mr. Referee, you know? Yeah. It's like, like he, this is this is stuff he would jab with Gorilla on primetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the reason they didn't do that is they still thought there were still going to be uh, Nitro, like, NWO Nitro, so it's going to be so segmented. Yeah. It just... It doesn't happen. So then uh, 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 Patrick throws out Hart and does like the most over the top <laughs> Jim Joyce, Angel Hornet, and uh, <laughs> you know, you're out of here, throws him out. It's, it's great. It's just great. Like, complete. That was so many. Jimmy says, like, I didn't even touch him. Oh, yeah. Jimmy's like, I can't believe it. I didn't do nothing. It's just so good. This is so good. Um, uh, so Conan pounds on Bubba. Uh, and we get a quick count by Nick Patrick, you know, like he would with Bubba choking him, he'd be like, one. Two and then with Conan, he was like one, two, three, four. This <laughs> is, and then Conan sends uh, Bubba over the top rope, and immediately, like Nick Patrick's like, mm, and calls for the bell. <laughs> Bobby's, of course, like he had to do his job, so it's just like it's annoying. Uh, Conan goes to be down. Nick Patrick, Bubba saves him. So, like I said, I mean, this is this is as Memphis as it can get. Two and a half. So again, fair rating. But on Chad, like entertainment scale, I loved it. So. I think like Bobby was trying to do a little bit like Larry does, but Larry just sounds more cerebral and like his points are a little, little more sharp when it comes to like where to defend and how to defend them. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I don't know. I just think with Bobby, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, would Bobby? I don't think Bobby at this point grasps that like you get over the severity of how much of a threat NWO is if you're like on the side of WCW. Right. Yeah. Like he can talk about that. He can say like, you know, I hate agreeing with you, Tony and Tanae, or you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like they can be antagonistic in the booth, like right. like begrudgingly together. Um, and that puts it over. Like it's just he picks and chooses. It's really this stuff and the sting stuff. He's just so like off from where everything else is. And then the Sia is what it is. Like he's just decided that's his can line, which is annoying. I'm curious if we're done with Bobby. Like I'm curious. This is it. Like I, I, I remember I liked him pre-NWO, and I remember historically not liking him as much once the NWO started. He's been okay, but it's really started to wear. So I'm curious as we go through 97 if it's like starting to become like he's just completely out of touch. He's the, I mean, he's the weakest announcer that we hear consistently mm-hmm. right now. And that's like, even Waller think, in the mix. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly on WCW side, WWL, I don't know. I mean, there's still problems there, but but um, but on WCW side, like I, I take Larry over him, and then like Danae and Tony, obviously. It almost feels like he could have gone back at this point. You know what I mean? Like he might have been better suited in that 96 world a little bit now, now is he going to attitude and stuff i don't know but like that 96 run um maybe he could have been because lawler does wrestle more 
you know, yeah. and, and the work that like perfect ends up doing, like maybe that could have been Bobby, you know, <laughs> it's, I mean? it's, it's crazy how easy Lawler's night. I know they taped two raws, but like Lawler is literally on raw for like one minute. <laughs> like what an easy, what an easy night's work for him. Um, so, uh, you know, not much here. It pushed along the Patrick story. Bubba's more intense, uh, you know, longer than you maybe wanted or needed, but they kept it moving. And I like the ending a lot. So I actually went two and a quarter. So it wasn't far okay. off from you. There we go. Yeah, it was entertaining enough. Uh, I, I, I thought, again, like this really helped play in the variety. Like mm-hmm. this show, all the matches are different. So that's a big thing for me. Like v- match card variety, I love. Yeah. Lee Marshall Road Report from Knoxville, Tennessee. He mentions Dollywood. I got a I got a pop from me as a Dollywood season pass holder currently. Uh, Lee lets us know Starcade sold out, but there are some tickets available for Nitro in Knoxville. And he also saw a vacant lot uh, near Knoxville and near Dollywood that Bobby can put his World Weasel theme park in. So we get the uh, uh, we, get, we get the Weasel jab here. Uh, today's cracking up when they come back to the booth. Bobby says he can have Lee as his main attraction for half a buck. You can ride him in a wheelbarrow. So <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was see, that's good, Bobby. Do that. Yeah, yeah. They can do that. The right. old Bob Hope jokes, right? Uh, and then the hits keep on coming when they roll this match out. I, I loved it. And I, I totally, I, I mean, Benoit and Guerrero faced each other so many times. It was like, all right. Mm-hmm. And I talked about on the last episode, I knew Regal and Psychosis had a couple matches together. I did not remember this match at all. So this took me by surprise. It's Dean Malenko versus Lord Steven Regal. Uh, they're again playing up. Piper isn't there. And this it's just a wrestling clinic. This match, mm-hmm. so good chain wrestling, wrist drags by Regal are awesome. Test of strength, nip up, cartwheel, insecurity. Sonny Ono comes out to uh, take some pictures, kind of scouting for the Ultimo Dragon versus Demon Linko match at Starcade. Uh, Regal locks on the cravat. He drives Dean down. Uh, Mark Curtis kicks out Sonny Ono, which was funny. We had two 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 referees, two ejections, yeah. yeah, two ejections of two matches, arm bar and uh, some joint manipulation. As Tony gives us the rundown of all the uh, satellite, it's a <laughs> great Christmas gifts us today. Great Christmas gift for uh, we got, would be. We got Direct TV, Dish Network, <laughs> a couple I've never heard of. So we we get the whole shell here. Uh, I thought a great prime move. prime. Uh, what's it called? Still one. <laughs> Yeah. 591 or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, great move by Regal as he continues to choke Malenko with his leg while he like argues with Mark Curtis. Uh, does some submission stuff, some uppercuts, a drop kick. Mambo Malenko evens things up. A head scissor takes Regal down. He goes for the clover leaf, but Regal blocks it. Uh, then we get some nasty forearms and some uppercuts, some good exchanges. Regal then hits a drop kick. Uh, to Malenko's back and hits a butterfly suplex. Regal misses a charge and hits the German. And then Dean hits a nasty brain buster right as the bell rings, signifying a 10-minute time limit draw for this TV title match. Um, Another great TV match, in my opinion. This is... This is like catnip to me, though. Like, like I mean, they were wrestling. You had mm-hmm. joint manipulation. You had weird submissions you don't see. They were rolling on the mat. Like, they just let Regal do his thing. They let, you know, Dean can hang with him. I, I love this. So I went three and three quarters for this, too. 
Yeah, as soon as Tony mentions the time limit, you knew where we were headed, but it was a good use of it. I mean, Regal's kind of been a master of the time limit game um, since he's been around, really, since like as far back as 93 into 94 when he was first TV champ. That's kind of was his gimmick, and I think Dean's the guy to go with him. They must have been excited when they saw this on the lineup, Yeah, um, knowing they could just go out there and, and do whatever. Because in the WCW world, you get this a lot. Like, that's one kudos to them like on nitro and stuff like they just make the match and a lot of these guys just go do whatever the fuck they want to do like if it doesn't matter what the style is or or what it is as long as it stays in time and you get the finish um which i liked into i mean the draw is faster but whatever i like the brain the german and brain buster at the end was good it was exactly what you would picture i mean it was a tough spot in the night especially like right before the main event, the second hour, it's usually kind of a cooler spot with them, but the crowd was into it. Uh, it was slow and grinding Regal getting a variance of opponents lately has been fun. You know, we've seen a couple now with him, different stuff it was a psychosis, right? We saw recently as well. Um, it was a textbook education of wrestling, just buried late in the show and Regal keeps his head off. So I went three and a half. I, I liked it a lot as well. Good. Um, then, uh, that kind of leads us to our main event. A little bit of a weird main event. It's uh, Rick Steiner versus Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Steiner takes him down. We get a lot of We Want Steam chants fire up. Uh, Steiner drives Jeff Jarrett into the corner. Steiner's giggling like legit audibly giggling as he hits an elbow drop. Jarrett comes back with a clothesline, gets caught with a pretty nasty belly-to-belly overhead suplex. Uh, this was another good bit of commentary bobby actually puts over starcade and like the seriousness of it and how you don't want to miss it and all this that was good uh you immediately waste all that when we get to our finish where steam comes out um crowd booze right away pretty obvious that it's the mm-hmm. fake sting yeah. uh, he goes to do the death drop on Jarrett but gets Steiner line and then Jarrett pins him for some reason so I want a star and a half Stupid on finish. it wasn't much I don't I don't I don't know what that was about but it was more like the angle itself but then again commentary says like they don't know which sting it is they're kind of insignificant but finally at the end Tony says I don't think that's the real sting it's like well yeah I mean everybody oh, in the crowd everybody in the crowd is saying it's not so like why is everybody in the crowd smarter than you three announcers like so so that was that was a little rough um but I like that the crowd was still hanging on it like they're not buying yeah. it they won't, they won't sting and whatnot so so I'll I'll give uh the crowd a kudos and as far as an uh, segment itself, it was fine minus the commentary. Yeah, it was fine. The commentary was dumb. The finish is kind of stupid too. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, the it's a dumb, it made everyone look dumb, and it fucked the crowd up with the fake sting. Like, this made what just have it be a DQ. Like, why is he pinning him? Like, it just it was stupid. <laughs> um, it's not like some moral victory. I don't know. I want to start in a half as well. Uh, it's a typical kind of. We get these on Nitro sometimes where like the main event seems like it may be cool, but it ends up being like two minutes and then into a promo or an attack or something like that. So it's not really, yeah. it's just a nominal main event yeah, and doesn't really deliver much beyond that. Yeah. Main event's not really the main event. Yeah. Uh, so then they kind of leave it like it's cold that, you know, Yoda break, Cole comes back, NWO music coming. You're like, well, who's this? Out comes Hogan. Solo. It's like, oh, I thought we saw this dude before. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's back. Uh, that's when we get the see you from Bobby. Hogan gets in the ring, lets us know he got the Western Union letter. For all you people that believed in Roddy, he dropped on his knees and wrote to him that Hogan is the icon. You're a lot greater than I dreamed I can ever be. 
at that moment, Roddy Piper's bagpipes music fires up. Crowd starts getting, you know, into it. Bobby immediately says the NWO is playing the music to rub it in. So he's he's hip to what's going on, like all of a sudden, right away. Mm-hmm. Like he can't tell that this, this is fake steam, but he, he knows this one right out of the gate. Uh, and then Eric comes out, uh, Eric Bischoff. He's wearing like uh, you know a kilt, a uh, uh, Scottish hat, I guess you could say, and a uh, a red and yellow Hulkster T-shirt. Uh, Bobby calls him a Mick loser. <laughs> That's funny enough. Yeah, kind of good. This poor uh, crowd, though. At this point, you're thinking like they've just been through the ringer with some of these teases <laughs> in this hour. They're like, good. yeah, it was good because they pay yeah. it off. I know they yeah. they put it them on good. the edge, yeah. but well, well, and. So here's the thing with this crowd. Like we talked about it. Like it's interesting if if that I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of crossover, right? So probably a lot of people that was at the Hall Nitro debut uh-huh. was at yeah. this show. Um, and we've talked about how like that's such a seminal moment on a bad show. Uh-huh. We have Raw Head that week, which is still crazy to think about. This is almost like the reverse of that, right? Yeah. Where we do end up getting the big surprise at the end, like it delivers, but it's like, oh, this show had like all this good wrestling and this like nice variety around it. And they kept like cock teasing you and like mm-hmm. screwing you, like, you know, pulling the rug out from under you on these surprises. Um, <laughs> Eric's impersonation, again, I thought was like actually kind of self aware. Where it's yeah. so like he's purposely so bad, and Tony even mentions it, it's like it's not even a good imitation. Like, right. it, it's, it's awful. Um, and the crowd, I don't think knew how to kind of take that. But again, it's all about the finish here. So what happens is, you know, Eric says, as Piper, he actually name drops WrestleMania, says there's no way in the world I can beat you. He calls for a referee to come out. They're going to do it right here, right now. Nick Patrick runs out. Tony says our sport has reached a new low. Tony's really good on this mm-hmm. thing. Just appalled. Uh, and then Eric drops down. Hogan pins him with his boot, like, on his chest. Um, Eric says he's always been a Hulkamaniac and, like, bows to Hogan as Piper. And at that time, we hear some bagpipe music. And it's uh, actual bagpipes, and we get the full band come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hogan and Eric now look legit worried, and uh, out Piper comes at the very end of our show. Crowd erupts at that. Piper has his no fear shirt on. He gets into the ring, uh, and I was—I actually didn't remember this either. I kind of thought they just may have done a stare down or whatever. Yeah, no, he goes. They throw down. Yeah. They throw down the crowds nuts for it. Like it's great. Piper shrugs it off. And then Bubba and Wall Street come in. So that plays into mm-hmm. before, like the extra insurance with the backup. And then here comes all the NWO. So eventually, like Hogan's whipping Piper with his belt because of the numbers game. And about 50 security officers come out in yellow shirts. Um uh, vent security guys they come out and separate them um as you know we frantically get the we're out of time see it this you know this sunday mm-hmm. they're gonna go at it you know your final 
shrill. Uh, you know, oh, they, Wednesday, right? Was it? Uh, no, when it was, was, oh, it was a Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so great, great kind of final sale. So I, I thought this was a thumbs up segment. I love the reveal of Piper. One I didn't remember, but I thought it was great. Yeah, it was, it was well done. Um, you know, I, again, even though this ended up being a cool moment, everything else, I still feel like maybe we're one week too many to build the hype. Like, I think they do a fine enough job, but I think we were like really peaking a week ago and it feels like I'm still excited for the show. I think everyone's still pumped for it, but I think Starcade this Sunday would have been maybe just slightly more effective. Although we do get the Luger giant build. I guess the biggest benefit to come out of this nitro into Starcade more so than some of this. Um, but they do, they do fine with it to try and fill it out. Uh, the entrance of Piper was really cool. Sting watching. Yeah. Sting uh, was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We see him watching. So that's good. Um, a little late in the night, you know, after all the teases at once, you know, they paid off like, so it's right at the end uh, for the crowd, but all in all, it's still a, a good ending and they salvage a little bit of the teasing they did throughout the night. So. Yeah. I, I'm I actually thought they peaked it pretty good. I'm on, I'm on the, uh, they peaked it at the right moment. All right. I think maybe one week. Oh, they haven't been physical. I mean, they hadn't been around, so I like that. I mean, this is the first time they've actually been face to face since World War Three. So, I mean, it's been a long, it's been a long haul. It has, yeah. But I mean, yeah. How many nitros? One, two, three. This is our fifth nitro since World War Three. Yeah. And then lob on one, three, four more since Halloween Havoc when Piper debuted. Yeah, I mean, that bridge between Havoc and that's with all the Bischoff stuff. So that yeah, was carrying interesting. It, yeah. yeah. All right, let's get to our awards. Uh, match tonight, I had Guerrero Benoit. Yeah, it's pretty stiff competition, but I went that way too. Moment I mean, that's like, like I, you know, I do the 10 point scale. Like that was like a 7.7 7 match for me and 7.8 is a four star match. So that was right yeah. on. All right, the moment I went with uh, Piper's entrance, his yep. arrival. Me too. Uh, I ended up going Luger MVP though. Um, I thought he looked awesome in the match. In the post match, he was super over. Um, I thought he stood out the most, like the biggest star on the night. Yeah, this might be one I'm pretty adamant on. I'm pretty adamant on Hogan. Um, I thought Hogan was great. Like he's as I just think like it's so easy for this angle for the NWO for everything to be cool. Right. And I mean, that that's good. Like the outsiders are playing that up and that's good. And the giants like throwing Ray Mysterio and that looking awesome. But like Hogan is able to be entertaining, which he wasn't at all in mm-hmm. the beginning of the year, but to get the correct reaction from the crowd, like he is not getting, he was not cheered on this no. night. No. And so he's done a great job in this role and being detestable, but not being like go away heat, like annoying too. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I thought he, it was very good. And just like his, the way he like, like at one point when Bischoff comes out as Piper, he like shakes his knees, like really comically, like he's scared of Piper coming out. And then when Piper does come out, like the change in expression and how he was like worried and stuff, it was actually, you know, <laughs> you know it was cinema. It says the uh, new uh, 
the new WWE line that people say. Like, I mean, it, but it was like for Hogan, not the most nuanced actor in the world, but um, effective. All right. Uh, I didn't have any shots fired. Kind of a rare nope. nitro with no shots fired. No, nah, I mean, actually, like, Bischoff, I thought was pretty respectful in mentioning mm-hmm. that, like, WrestleMania, <laughs> that they made have been at another show a long time ago. Like, the- yeah, well, I think that helps really build a legend of the match. It does, but it's it's kind of interesting that it's, like, it's not seen as, like, you know. Right. I mean, <laughs> compare that to 1987 where, you know, Andre <laughs> hadn't lost in 15 years. Nobody yeah, right, right. slammed him and stuff, yeah. Uh, all right, debuts. He had Tombstone, Buddy Lee Parker. Yep. And I ended up going seven out of 10 on this Nitro. Um, a very, very good episode. Uh, I think I was a little lower on some of the stuff than you. So I'd be curious your grade. But still, I mean, you know, doubled Raw, which which is kind of hard on our scale to do a full double up. But this is doubled up Raw for me. Yeah, I initially put 7.5. As I talked through, I'm bumming it to eight. I mean, to me, this is a great Nitro. It's a lot of variety. Two, two very good matches, a couple other good matches, entertaining stuff for me, and then some a great segment to end. So, I mean, maybe, like, there, there's some stuff to nitpick, like, there, but I, I, I thought this was a very good go-home show. I, I'm ready to watch Starcade, so that's a good, good sell point. All right. I'm going to read off the combo awards. You see if you agree. <laughs> I'm going to predict what they are. Uh, best show, Nitro. Best match, Benoit Guerrero. Yep. And I believe that's already the, let's see, one, two, three. They have another one in here. Four. I'm going back a little bit. I think it's their fourth best match. Five. Fifth. They've won it five times now. Best yeah. match. You, I we mean, have we, 76 combo awards. They've won best match five times. Yeah, we talk about it like there's, a, there's theories that like Nitro had all these great lucha matches and we talked about that like mm-hmm. obviously it was better in pure auth and cybernetico <laughs> yeah but just like the matches that they gave time to there wasn't a ton of them there's a few but i mean ben juan guerrero every time they rolled out there they they've given them a, a good bit of time or it's been very violent in the time they had and it's just a classic pairing that works uh for sure on tv so and, and I mean it's it's definitely presented as like a junior style, but not you know it's not like high flying or whatever. It's it's a different time of di- dynamic. I wonder if we're gonna get more of the lucha stuff. It's more like a '98 where they have the three hours and everything else going on, like where they really build bloat the roster up and have like a ton of like lucha dudes on the roster, where that becomes more of the like. Oh, we just have like four or five cruiser matches, or like that becomes the style. I think you may have that. I just don't think you're gonna have the time. I think actually, like the weird thing is, is as they're, you know, it must be a lot. I think there's more of them. There's, it's more crammed in. Sure. All right, best segment. We're gonna go with Piper. Yep. Uh, Better commentary, Nitro. Yeah. Even with Honky, Uh, Star of the Night. I'll I'll give you Hogan. You were more passionate than uh, I was on Luger, so we'll give you that. And uh, we know Nitro won the ratings, so pretty dominant night for Nitro. Yet again, this is a this is a bad, a really bad uh, Raw rating. I know I talked last time. I was wondering if they got preempted or something because like they go, like they'd been two point three for three straight weeks. This week they're one point five, which is. I mean, that's pretty significant. I guess if people did, probably made a couple of things. People didn't care for the 
follow up to In Your House. Um, go home to Starcade to make more people tune into Nitro, but also it's Christmas week. Christmas uh, week, I think, is the biggest thing because Nitro actually dropped point one. I mean, it's significant, but they went from three point two to three point one, so it's not like that audience went from Raw to Nitro. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think Christmas week. I mean, this is a weird. And well, last Nitro was great, so it's not like it was like a bad Nitro leading into this one. No, I mean the hype's been good, and you see next week they pull a, a, a significant pickup. So I think I think Christmas week for sure. Oh, I hurt actually hurt Nitro. It definitely hurt Raw, but I think it actually hurt Nitro just from the quality standpoint of the show. So, uh, so Nitro has had a clean sweep three out of four weeks now. They have the won every award for us. So. They're rolling, and Raw is definitely in a rut. We'll see. We'll see. We know the Cavalry's coming to 97. We'll see when, I guess. There hasn't been... I mean, Raw's been able to sneak in some with those showcase matches, like mm-hmm. Mankind Undertaker, and we hadn't got one of the... I mean, maybe they thought Hemsley versus Marrow would be that, but yeah. not versus this Nitro. Like, I mean, I... No. I mean, I, I think there's at least three... I mean, most people would say there's at least three matches on Nitro that are better than Hemsley Marrow. I'd probably have four or five. Yeah, and they, you know doubled up for both of us on that mm-hmm. grade so yep. all right we'll be back in two weeks with starcade for our 100th episode so that'll be a lot of fun um we'll keep rolling on chat we only got a few more here in 96 right we got starcade and then the more nitro the night after and that's yep. it so two yep. more and then we're into 1997 which is exciting for sure so check out everything we have to offer at northsouthconnection.com here on YouTube, as well as of our podcast feeds. Uh, subscribe to us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll talk to you soon. Smell the napalm. Take care.